This is the Working Drummer Podcast, featuring conversations with ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music. Hey everyone, welcome to Working Drummer Podcast. I'm Zach Albetta, and today I'm talking with George Sluppick. George was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee, and began playing professionally as a teenager with his father. His adult life and career has taken him through San Diego, New Orleans, Austin, New York, and back to Memphis, and his resume includes Charlie Hunter, J.J. Gray and Mofro, Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and many more. George has recently relocated to the smaller but vibrant community of Greensboro, North Carolina, and has just released a Memphis-infused sample pack through Yurt Rock. We would appreciate your support on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash working drummer and a donation in any amount gets you access to exclusive content from our former guests. Think of this as professional development for drummers, all useful and actionable lessons for the working pro. We're populating new content regularly and as little as $1 a month gets you access to all of it. If Patreon isn't your thing, you can also make a one-time donation through PayPal. There are links for both on our homepage at workingdrummer.net. While you're there, you can learn more about this episode and check out our archive of over 300 episodes. Also, please subscribe to Working Drummer Podcast on your platform of choice. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube. And be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Lastly, however you listen, please leave us a rating and review. This helps new listeners find us. We have some new Patreon content up since a lot of us are doing more tracking lately. We're having some of our guests talk about a specific song they've tracked drums for and all the technical and creative aspects of that recording process. New content there from Doan Perry, Jim White, Joe Bergamini, and Stephen Chopek. So check that out. Again, that's patreon.com slash working drummer. enjoyed getting to know George a bit. I had heard his name periodically in various contexts and it was good to finally put a face to the name and learn where he comes from and what he's about musically. Lots to dig into in that regard, so let's get to it with George Slupik. recently moved to Greensboro and you recently released this uh, sample pack through Yurt Rock. Yeah. Um, and yeah, those, yeah, yeah. Those two things aren't connected per se, but that's like, that's what's going on right now. That's what's going on. They sort of are connected though. We can get into that. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, yeah. Uh, Steven, Steven Chopek was, uh, is a very good friend and he, he was like, man, you got to meet Zach. And I was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, so I just I really I just appreciate made, you having me. I just made Steven's acquaintance, and and what a what a good cat, what a talented cat. Um, and, uh, yeah, looking looking forward to having him on the scene here in Atlanta. Yeah, it's, and, and what – well, so what's really funny is I moved to Greensboro uh, at the behest of my friend Charlie Hunter. Right. And, and who I've – actually known since two since 2000 um i'd seen him play in the in the late 90s in san diego when i i lived in san diego briefly well not briefly i lived there 12 years but i'm from memphis but <laughs> brief brief uh, stint. That, yeah a brief 12 years uh, <laughs> um um uh, but i saw charlie in the 90s uh but then um a year or two later I was playing with this. Uh, I was playing in this band, and we went on tour opening for Charlie. Mm-hmm. And Charlie and I hit it off. And Chopek was playing drums with him at the time, right? And Chopek and I really hit it off. In fact, all the guys in in their band, all the guys in our band, we all we, we all hit it off. But it, like for some reason, Chop and I and 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 Charlie, we all had a we all had a pretty deep connection pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie moved to Greensboro three years ago and has just been telling me about 
the you know the music scene out here how it's you know this very small but very burgeoning little scene and um you know he was always curious you know about what was happening with me in in in, in memphis and and uh and i was i was never you know not to i don't want to get down on my hometown or anything because it's a beautiful place and it you know i definitely learned you know pretty much everything that i'm doing now is directly related to you know being from memphis and growing up there yeah um you know that the feel the you know the sound every everything um <clears throat> but anyway charlie was like you know it's 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 happening out here um we need drummers and i said well you're in north carolina i mean there's got to be like a million cats out there and he's like bro i'm playing i'm playing like two gigs a week on drums <laughs> charlie, charlie said that yeah and i was yeah. like i was like i was like i know you can play but you know i mean i know you can play like a you know like a song or two but like you're doing like full sets he's like oh yeah two 45 minute sets you know i'm working wow. my ass off yeah. and i was like wow okay he's like that's how that's how sad this scene is here <laughs> for drummers and i was like okay all right um let me see what I can do. And then one thing led to another over the course of the pandemic and everything. Um, uh, lots, lots of things went down. Um, you know, all my touring stuff ended. Um, the, the Memphis scene for me was, um, it wasn't bad. I just wasn't really working that much, mm -hmm. you know? And um, so Charlie booked me for a session out here and, uh, and then the guy that uh, we were doing the session with said, you know, uh, when you're here, you can stay in my place. I have this two bedroom house and it's just me and my dog. And I was like, wow, I got a dog. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, maybe I can bring my dog with me. And, and he's like, yeah, you know, however long you want to stay. You know, and I was like, well, maybe I can turn this into a vacation. You know, yeah, like I, and, I was talking with Chopek the other day, and I was like, I know this isn't what hap what's happening, but I envision George and Charlie just out there in the woods with their dogs, like sleeping in bunk beds. That's so funny, man. <laughs> You're not far off of it right now, because uh, I personally am in the woods. I'm about 15 minutes southwest of town, and we're in the country. Nice. And um, we're 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 going through a little thing right now where there's a bunch of copperhead snakes running around out oh, in the woods and, man yeah and we've got our dogs and stuff and so we you know you have to be really careful right. especially for ba baby copperheads well they don't have any control over their venom apparently when they're really little you know so they just bite you and just like can give you a full blast oh wow yeah, so that's a little harrowing, you know. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I'm a kind of a city boy, so I'm just like, oh man, I love the country, but live. I love to visit the country. Living in the country is, is something that I'm not. I, I don't know. I think I just need to be in a. I just need to be in a city. But anyway, so <laughs> so 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 J Jimmy Washington, our, our friend that we were making the record with, that invited me to stay in his house while we were making the record. Um said, you know, if you want to bring your dog, it's totally cool. I have a dog that can run around, you know, I have a big backyard, you know, which is really not it's sort of true, but it's just these woods in his backyard. Right. And uh, there's no fence. So, uh, um, but, but Charlie was like, you know, well, how long are you planning on staying? You know, we're going to do this record with Jimmy for two days. Um, would you be down with doing a couple of gigs with me? Which turned into like five gigs. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, at first I was just going to come out here for two weeks. But then something changed in Memphis. Like I turned a corner where I was working like two gigs a, a week or sorry, two gigs a month. And one session like every three or four months. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, you're offering me a session and five gigs. And you're telling me that there's even more than that maybe I should just move there. And he's like, dude, you could, you would move here with gigs and with me and uh, a house with Jimmy and, uh, and rents are really cheap, you know? So you yeah. can, you can hold, hold up with Jimmy for a little while while you're looking for, for your own place. 
I didn't have any really anything else going on. I finished the sample. I started the sample pack in 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 April. Um, I did five days recording uh, 75, 75 sessions uh, or seventy five like complete like three or three and a half minute things uh, grooves that we edited wow. into. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was it was a lot of work. Big big shout out to my friend Ethan Mayo at Memphis Magnetic for engineering engineering all that. But when we got done with it, we were going to try to put it out ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to segue uh, so hard. Um, anyway, let me let me just finish. I I, I go, ended go, up go where it takes you, man. <laughs> well, uh, uh, the the sample pack thing was 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 because uh, I just wanted to make one. And um, my friend Scott McEwen at Memphis Magnetic was like, "Yeah, let's let's get that done." And uh, and we agreed to to partner and just split the profits it's 50-50. And uh, and then we brought in our friend Ethan, for, you know, we, and we're we're giving him a cut as well because he spent you know a couple of months editing you know seventy five pieces into into usable loops wow uh, yeah yeah and then we were just going to put it out ourselves and then charlie was like hey man you should hit up ryan gruce at your rock and uh and i was like well yeah i think he knows who who i am and uh i went to his i went to his instagram page i was like oh he's already following me so i just messaged him and he was responsive immediately. Like within an hour, he hit me up and he's like, George, I'm so happy to talk to you. I've been wanting to put out a Memphis sample pack for years. Oh, how cool. And yeah. And I, I was just like, well, he's like, send me what you got. I was like, I was like, bro, let me just tell you, I have 13 gigs worth of stuff. Um, Cause the pack, the, the, what we had recorded was was really dense like we did stereo mixes stereos without room mics and then mono mixes um i had like 15 snare drums that i did one hits on and i did i did the um i did the dynamic range on the on the one hits yeah on on each of those drums and then uh full cymbals three different drum kits uh, we did we did uh, with bottom heads without bottom heads. We got real seventies, you know, vibes on there too. Yeah, and uh, and and he flipped out, and and, and I said, oh, and we, we recorded everything analog tape as well. Holy shit! Yeah, in this in this massive room, uh, this 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 studio is just, just a world class world class room. So so Ryan Ryan lost his mind, and he's he's like, you've done everything that you needed to do. Like the, everything was already edited. All the loops were ready to go. And uh, he's, you've got enough material here for two of these. So let's just release the first one, you know, what, whatever you want to title it. I said, how about In the Pocket, Volume 1? He said, sounds great. You know, so it's just like like that. When, after we sent the stuff to him, we Dropboxed everything to him. The pack was out the very next day. Like I sent the stuff to him th- Thursday afternoon. It was released Friday Friday afternoon, like wow. 24 hours later. That's, That's how crazy. quick Brian Gruss is, man. And he's, he's a technical wizard. Um, okay. So I have, I have a couple of yeah. questions about this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. When, it, when it comes to the, the business decision of like, you know, <laughs> at, at first you were going to um, just sort of like market it and sell it yourselves um, un- until the Yurt Rock thing came into the picture how were you going to do that? Just through social media, through your own sort of existing cachet? So I have some instructional videos on Gumroad. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Gumroad? I'm not. Uh, Aaron, Aaron, do you know Aaron Sterling? Yeah. So Aaron Sterling told me about Gumroad. And I was like, what, what is it? He's just like, you know, it's just, it's basically just <clears throat> a marketplace for creators. Uh, so whatever, you know, your video content lessons, whatever it is, whatever, whatever you're trying to sell. And, um, and, uh, he said it works really well. I've been using it for years. I've got a bunch of instructional videos. So he has his own sample packs and things like, uh, uh through on, on a uh, list on Gumroad, mm-hmm. you know? So I think they take like a small percentage and then the rest, you know, so just, you set up your bank account and just direct deposit into your bank. You so, know, so it sounds like a similar thing to Yurt Rock. Yeah. 
well, except they don't they don't do any advertising. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a platform for you to. It's just a place where where you can sell your stuff. Got it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you send people the link, and they're like, "Hey, do you have any stuff?" It's like, "Oh yeah, I have this thing on Gumroad or whatever." So right, I would okay. promote it myself through my social media. Um, Dirt Rock. I mean, they're promoting every single day. Yeah, there's a on machine multiple. That. Yeah, there's a huge machine behind that on multiple platforms. So you know, he's got like Twitter and and um, I'm not on Facebook, but he's got Facebook account. Um, I'm on Instagram. He's got Instagram. He's putting stuff out on TikTok. I mean, he's he's like really putting it out there big mm-hmm. time he yeah. promotes constantly and there's tons of artists on there and did charlie hunter's on there carter mcclain and yep. uh eric harland um um uh doug wombles on there uh um i mean there's just like man there's there's a lot of really amazing artists uh, uh you know putting 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 their stuff out there so it, it just it was the smartest play i think yeah going going with your rock because uh, one just they're a really great company ryan is just a super solid person mm-hmm. you know uh he really knows what he's doing he's a really great drummer um and he, and he's excited so my my experience in the music business um or just with life in general is like you want to connect with people who are who are excited about you <laughs> yeah yeah <ideally. laughs> you know yeah exactly and they, and they and they you know and they and they lift you up you know and and um and vice versa right know? so so far it's, it's it's been out for a couple of months i think it's doing really well i've been getting messages from people all over the world you know using you know using my using my loops and um yeah I'm, I'm, I'm really happy we did that so i met ryan through charlie mm-hmm. um i know steve chopek through charlie um you know it just it just made sense when he said hey man it'd be really cool if you lived out here you know i'll throw you i'll throw you a weekly gig and then i'll introduce you to all these people and man when i got here he literally had been talking me up to the to the entire community here yeah. between Winston-Salem, Raleigh-Durham, Charlotte, um, uh, Richmond, Virginia, which is three hours up the road. Um, so like, I mean, I moved to town. I had a place to live. I had gigs and a community of uh, a support group, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, uh, very cool. It's <laughs> pretty cool. Plus the Carolinas are nice, man. Yeah, man. I love it there. Like my, uh, my dad lives, uh, in, in, uh, Durham, uh, my brother went to Chapel Hill. Um, and I was just in Chapel Hill last night. <laughs> what a cool town that is, man. I love that Chapel yeah. Hill, Durham area. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like, you know, cool music comes out of there. Great music. Yeah. Yeah. And beautiful. It's just like beautiful country um, up in the mountains. It's there. beautiful. And, you know, also, man, people are... Again, not to put not to put you know I'm not not talk to talk bad about Memphis, but like when you do a gig in Memphis, you know people are kind of you know they're drunk, they're partying, they're having a good time. But we're noticing out here at, at a lot of the shows we're playing, people are coming to listen. Yeah, they're paying the cover charge, right? Which you're not getting any argument from people. That's another that was another issue in Memphis where people are just like, "How much is it?" Right. But out here, people are paying the cover charge. They're coming to see us, um, but they're but they're coming to listen. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're bringing friends. You know, and they're chatty a little bit occasionally. But you know, when you're like, "Hey, you know, can you guys keep it down?" We're, we're doing a thing up here and then just everybody's just like yeah you're right you know right um so i know what you mean it about seems how, like it's a, like I, I was talking with steven about um you know whether it's uh beale street in memphis or lower broadway in nashville or bourbon street in uh new orleans you know yeah or sixth street in austin right i mean they've kind of become a victim of their own success and kind of become a caricature of what they started out as and you're right. Like people go there to party, and that's that's a thing. Partying's fun, but uh, you know, as a musician, it, you know, it's it's a it's a much uh, <laughs> it's a more fulfilling experience to play for people who are 
listening and not like just partying. Yeah. And, and that, you know, my dad always told me my dad was a bass player and, and guitarist. Um, but I, I grew up playing, playing with him and, um, we played on Beale street. We played all over Memphis and all different kinds of venues. And, and, uh, he would always look back at me from, from, from the front of the stage and he would, he would lean over and he said, he would say, son, if they're shaking their ass and moving their feet, then you're doing your job. <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many people are in here. If they're, if they're dancing to the music, if they're moving, mm-hmm. then, then you're doing, then you're doing your job. Right. So I always, you know, I always looked at it like that. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, that can be true whether people are partying or listening, like that can be true in kind of multiple kinds of environments. Yeah, there's different levels to it. You know what I mean? Like, like my my organ trio in Memphis, the City Champs. Uh, people don't sit there quietly and listen to us because we have Hammond organ screaming on stage, the guitar players cranked up, and I'm banging the shit out of the drums. And it, you know, it's it's definitely inspired by you know Booker T and the MGs and and you know, Lonnie Smith and Lou Donaldson, you know, the, you know, uh, and, and people dance, you know, and and our music is geared for that. The stuff that Charlie and I are doing, man, I mean, we will get whisper quiet at times, you know, and I mean, we have a, we have, we have places where we can go, you know, if you start out on 10, you know, then in 10s where you, that's, that's where you're going, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but if you start out on like, three or four, then, you know, you have places you can go. question about the sample pack thing you said you you had been wanting to do it for a long time um what was it that made you want to do that i mean obviously it's a way to make some money um but was there like a certain uh corner you turned as as far as uh people asking you about that or just like um because i guess what, what i'm thinking about is if if you're a drummer and you want to do a sample pack um you have to have a certain amount of cachet with non-drummers right because sample packs uh you know let's be honest put other drummers out of work whatever cachet you have with other drummers is not going to do anything to sell a sample pack so you got to have cachet with songwriters producers people who are going to use that sample pack um Mm. so so what uh you know what kind of got you to that point in your career where you like i want to do this i think it's a good idea i think i could sell it i think it could work well, it's an interesting question because I wanted to do one 20 years ago. Oh, wow. um, I, I was playing with this guy, Robert Walter, and uh, we were signed to uh, this this label, uh, Fog City Records in, in San Francisco. And and uh, Galactic did their first record. Stanton Moore did his first solo record on, on Fog City. Papa Malley, uh, Charlie Hunter was on there. Um, uh, Mike Clark... <clears throat> Um, Dan Prather did uh, uh, a Mike Clark sample pack. Mm-hmm. And it was basically just, you know, like 20 Mike Clark grooves on a CD that people, that DJs could use, that songwriters could use. You know, you could grab them, throw them in your computer. I mean, back then, you know, everything was still, you know, I won't say primitive, but like compared to, you know, like what we're able to do now with, with, with software. Right. And, uh, um, <clears throat> everything's much faster and much easier. 
you know, easier to edit yeah. groove, grooves. But, um, so back then it you was basically like... just like a, like a loop pack, you know? And so he did, he did, he did Mike Clark and, and then, and then he did one with Bernard Purdy and, um, people around that time started telling me that I had a sound mm-hmm. and I'd done a couple of records that had done really well. And, and I had DJs hitting me up saying, Hey man, you should do a, uh, you should do a loop pack because you're you have this sound, this Memphis pocket, this sound. Uh, it's deep, and you know people were sample already sampling my stuff, mm-hmm. right in the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah. People were starting to sample my stuff. So, well, early two thousands, I was I was getting sampled. So I was like I was like, well, you know, damn, what you know, you we should do one. But he's he, I wasn't a, I wasn't a known guy, you know, right uh uh he just he just wasn't interested you know and he didn't think he was going to sell very many of them you mm-hmm. know and so i i sort of put the idea to bed for a little while um but then through the course of the next almost 20 years i mean i i did a lot of records and anytime i had you know developed a relationship well, with any producers <clears throat> or engineers i would always you know, bring up the the idea of, of doing a sample pack. Cause not thinking that I could do it on my own. I, it, I really wanted to do it in a studio. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I wanted. I, I wanted. If I'm if I'm going to put something out there, I want it to be my best foot forward. Right. You know. And even though I had some recording gear at home, you know, and I could record myself playing the drums, it wasn't the same as being in a studio with everything. You're in a big, beautiful room and everything is mic'd up with amazing microphones and you got an engineer back there mixing your stuff. Right. I mean, that's I really think, what you want. Like half, half the point of a sample pack is the vibe, right? It's not just the grooves. It's not just, you know, what you're playing on the drums. It's it's the whole exactly. vibe that you're, it's you're the whole trying vibe. to put out. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, Adam Deitch hit me up uh, a while ago um, during the pandemic, right early on. Like I, I, I started putting these. You know, I don't know, man, maybe 2017 or 2018. I would put like you know little snips of of grooves on on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And Adam Dyche and a couple other people were just like, dude, you should do a breakbeat record. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Um, Because I was thinking about, I've been thinking about doing something for a while, but I really kind of want it to be more than a, more than just a record. I want people to actually be able to write songs with it. I want producers to be able to use it. I want, I want songwriters that, haven't had enough money to hire me to come and do their record for two or three days to buy this thing that costs forty nine dollars, mm-hmm. where they have like so many options, right? You know, so many of my grooves, you know, and like it's interesting that you said, you know, I'm putting drummers out of, you know, it puts drummers out of work. Yeah, the I mean, way I, was, I, the I, way was, I look, and <laughs> I, I didn't mean to put you on blast about that, but no, like, no, no, it's okay. The way I look at it is, it's, it's more like I'm, I'm getting myself out there, sure, even yeah. more, you know, and <clears throat> people are writing songs with, with, with my grooves, you know what I mean, and. I know for some people already, they're like, man, you know, I wrote a couple of songs using these grooves and it's really cool. And I love this. I love the pack, but I think I'm going to hire, hire you. I want to bring you in and, you know, right. It's another and, calling and, card and have, for you. Yeah. It's an, it's, it's another calling card. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as, as far as like, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, really sort of torn about the whole sample pack thing um because you know there are you know there are levels of um artists and and levels of drummers and you know if a if a drummer at your level puts out a sample pack that gives artists of a lower level access to you Right, because they can't afford to bring you into the studio for a day or two or three or whatever, but they can't afford this thing. Um, and 
like it kind of because uh, uh, otherwise they would they would hire a cheap drummer, right? They would hire <laughs> they would hire one of their friends who yeah. uh, who's not as good or just getting started or whatever. Um, so like. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. If I had the chance to create a sample pack and sell it, I absolutely would, um, and I might, I might someday. Um, but uh, I just wonder, like, you know, if it, uh, if it contributes to, um, and, and like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying this uh, uh, like rhetorically or whatever. I really wonder: does it contribute to a higher demand for? like real drummers and live drums or uh does it uh decrease that demand among producers songwriters etc uh you know i don't i don't actually think that it 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 influences it either way i think that um i i, I mean Man, people are using my stuff in 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 uh, you know people are going to be using my my one hits from that from that pack in uh, in movie scores. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, and uh, DJs are are using it for you know stuff that they're writing, um, but they're they never use you know they never hire real musicians anyway you know i mean there's there's a certain set of people out there that just don't hire musicians right they do it they do it themselves yeah they do everything themselves you know they really want uh i mean i've worked with a ton of artists where they're just doing everything themselves they play keyboards they play drums bass guitar they sing right um they've never had a real drummer in their studio but when i come out with a sample pack they hit me up and they're like oh my god you know this is like kind of like the missing element uh is like a real drummer i mean matt chamberlain had his sample pack out a million years ago yeah and it didn't i don't think it slowed down his his uh his studio work at all sure and that's a great point you know? it's a great point there's there's that there's a lot of uh you know producers djs what have you who yeah if like they've never used a live drummer they've never hired a human being to play drums right. Um, and if they're not using your sample pack, they're going to, you know, they've been using, you know, stock, yes. sa- stock sounds from Logic or whatever They've been else. using, yeah, you know, Matt Chamberlain made those years ago. Right, right. He was one of the first people that, that, that I figured out, like, you know, wow, I mean, he's not just recording himself at home. He's actually putting stuff out there that people can grab and, and write songs from, you right. know, whatever. So it's a certain, it's a certain, it's really a certain group of people, man. I mean, but it's, it's a real mixed bag. I mean, it's, it's, you know, my friend Adam Dorn in, in Los Angeles, he strictly uses loops. Mm-hmm. He doesn't hire any, any other musicians. He does everything at home. He uses drum loops that he, you know, that he finds, buys, he buys all these packs from all these different people and his shit is, is phenomenal. So he's got, he's got my loop pack and I'm super excited that he's got it because who knows where that's going to end up. You know, mm-hmm. it might be, you know, it might turn up in an episode of Breaking Bad somewhere or like, you know, right. I mean, Breaking Bad's gone already, but I mean, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. that's the level, that's the level of shit that he's doing in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um uh, or Better Call Saul is what I meant to say. Oh, dig so it, yeah, that. okay. Better Call Saul. He works. He works with Better Call Saul. Um, so yeah, there's Adam Dorn. My friend, uh, my friend Stephen Wolf is is an incredible drummer, uh, programmer, and uh, I don't know if you know about Wolf, but if you haven't had Wolf on, then then you need to, you know, check out Stephen Wolf's discography, and it's it's kind of going to blow your mind. He's, okay. You're going to want him to to be your next guest. Just <laughs> um, multi multi Grammy platinum. Uh, um, platinum artists, uh, yeah. um, and what? he uses strict, strictly one hits. Oh wow! So on my sample pack, I got a ton of one hits, and he was really excited about that. So he's got my sample pack. So you know, who knows? I mean, he could he could get called. You know, he works with Beyonce, and Pink, and Miley Cyrus, and Avril Lavigne, and you know, uh, uh, Elton John. All man, huge artists. Yeah. You know? So he, who knows? He might create. Uh, he might create a drum pattern based off of some of my one hits, you know, um, 
I think it's just it's just another freaking uh, uh, feather in your cap, you know. If you yeah, have your and name out there. It's a good reminder in any for me. Kind of way, it's know? a good reminder for me because I sometimes fall into this mentality of like it's you know that the, the musical <sighs> landscape is sort of a zero sum proposition, and if if somebody's getting work doing something, then that has to be costing somebody else work somewhere. And that's and true. We, that's true sometimes. But I think in the case of these sample packs, it's just like, it's another, it's another arm, right? Like another arm of the music arm. industry has grown. Um, yeah. Zach, we used to think that drum machines were going to put drummers. On <laughs> that is, that was not right. the case right. at all. Yeah. That was not the case at all. And that world lasted for that, you know, that little minute. And then next thing we know, like, like, oh, we're still getting gigs. We're getting even more gigs. Right. Because, you know, people are just like, you know, we want to make sure that, you know, we got real musicians up here on stage and not some guy playing a machine. Right. And it's like people were kind of wringing their hands about how COVID was going to be the death of, of live music as we know it. And, you know, it, it was temporarily. But, you know, from the start of it, I was like, Live music has been a thing for tens of thousands of years. Like, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. A lot of people um, thrived during the pandemic, and I have to say that I was one of them. Mm-hmm. I actually thrived me- psychologically, mentally, and um, not to get too heavy, but I've been for 37 years. I've been I'm 53. For 37 years, I've been traveling, mm-hmm. backing up our artists. Right, so. Uh, basically uh, supporting someone else's career, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it lasts for as long as it lasts. Sometimes it lasts for a couple of weeks. Sometimes it lasts for several years. Mm-hmm. You know? And then for whatever reason, either I become, you know, disassociated with the thing and, and want to move on or vice versa, you know, and, um, or disillusion, whatever, you know, I mean, you know, you pour your heart into some band and, and you're out there. And then after a few years, you know, whatever, you just start to, you know, move away from each other. And I've had a lot of that over, over, the, over a long 30 years traveling. I've, I've had many experiences like that. When all, when my tours ended um, last year, early last year, um, it was shocking. Yeah, you know, because I I was so accustomed to being on the road and having this lifestyle, you know, where I was gone all the time. But you know, I was also, you know, making money and getting to see the world. But um, when all that ended, and, and I had to figure out how the hell I was going to survive, like you know, again going back to Charlie Hunter, he's like, "Man, start a Patreon page." I was like, "What the fuck is Patreon?" <laughs> he's like. He's like, bro, just look at it. And and I had heard about it from a couple other people, you know, but I hadn't really checked it out. Um, so in September of last year, I got connected with Patreon and I put some some video some videos out of some drum lessons, right? And then explain <clears throat> some of my favorite groups and uh, like most uh, specifically Idris Muhammad's drumming with. Lou Donaldson on a oh. record called Alligator Boogaloo. Oh, cool, cool. That I'm record writing, I'm writing that down right now. I yeah, need, Idris I need, Muhammad. I need more Idris Alligator in my Boogaloo. Life. Yeah, the record's by Lou Donaldson. It's called Alligator Boogaloo. That record, I heard first heard that record in 1995 or 96, completely threw me upside down and, and knocked me on my ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, you might listen to it and go, oh, okay, re- what's really going on with this record? But then when it gets to the end, just start it over and listen to it again. <laughs> and then listen to it again. It's tw- Listen, it's 28 minutes long. Okay. Five tunes on there. Yeah. Uh, it is 
to me, like the blueprint for everything that I'm doing right now. Hmm. And, and that his drumming just like, I mean, I'd been, a, I'd, I'd had drummers that I'd listened to my whole life, but when I heard Idris on that record, I could hear the blues, I could hear gospel, I could hear country music, I could hear R&B, jazz, swing. And it was like, oh, all this stuff in Latin, all this music that I had been working on since I was four years old, all this, all these different, all these different gigs that I did, everything made sense when I heard that that one record. It was like connecting the dots for me. Yeah, it was just like there's a piece of the fucking puzzle that's missing for you, and here it is. Boom! This guy right here. It's and so interesting like, wow. you say that about Idris because like he's he's sort of he's been sort of an enigmatic drummer to me, and I've like I've I've um I've listened to him uh with you know different kinds of groups. Um, all you know at different periods, and I, you know as I'm thinking about it, I, I realize I I don't really know what I was looking for. Or like maybe each time I listened to him, I was looking for something specific. I was like, I'm mm. gonna you know I'm gonna check out Idris's jazz thing with uh, Ahmad Jamal Trio, or I'm gonna check out Idris's you know deep funk thing with some organ thing, and like whatever I went into that recording looking for, I feel like I never really got like a heavy dose of. But wow! But I, as you're talking, I'm realizing that like Idris is is such a, a mix of so many things that if you go to him like looking for a heavy dose of one specific thing, you might not get it. But if you if you go to him kind of ready for this like you know multi genre experience in his drumming, maybe that's that's where the the magic of Idris uh, lies. You know, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to like just e- e- I'm trying to just erase genre. Mm, yeah. You know, from from my own playing because it's just it's just grooves, it's just music. Yeah. You know, it all relates. I've been on country gigs before. You know, where we're playing like some pretty hardcore. Right. Well, that. Is it too far from right? You know, yeah. it all relates to each other, mm-hmm. right? Groove relates to groove, and I don't care what you're doing. If you got fucking groove and it's it's deep and there's melody, I'm into it. Yeah. And I heard all of that with Idris. Like I studied a lot of blues and a lot of country music and and gospel music growing up in Memphis. I played a lot of rock and roll too. And I heard rock and roll shit in there. So I was like, okay, I need to study this dude. Mm -hmm. Come to find out he's the drummer on, on, uh, 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 um, he's playing on Fats Domino's Blueberry Hill. Is he really? <laughs> He's the drummer on that song, bro. <laughs> That's insane. I found my thrill. Yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do. Oh, Blueberry Hill. Wow. That's fucking Idris Muhammad, man. He must have been right? like 20. Something like that. Maybe even 18. Yeah. Yeah. He was He was playing. So he he's originally from New Orleans. And um, when I met him, he said that his, his book is fantastic, by the way. You should check out. Uh, Idris's book. You could read it in a couple of days. It's not hmm. very big. The second line, uh, the the second line would come marching right in front of his house. He said he was two years old. He would hear the band coming down the street, and he'd run out the door. He said he was so he wasn't a very tall dude. So you can imagine as a kid, he was like really short. He said he was so short he could stand and march underneath the bass drum player and his head <laughs> and the bass drum would be right above his head. And mm-hmm. he said that 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 rhythm got into his in, in his soul, made him want to be a drummer. That's and he so said cool. and and it solidified something in him that uh, his philosophy or his concept of music was from the bottom up instead of from the top down. Mm. He said, you can always tell a guy that's from New Orleans because you're going to feel and hear the bass drum and notice the bass drum movement and feel before you hear 
everything else. Yeah. And I always thought that was really interesting because Memphis drummers are very similar. There's this bottom end that's happening. Right. You know, so I think I related to him on a deeper level and subconsciously a, that maybe I didn't even that I wasn't even aware of. Right. And like in a second in a second line band, there that, in a second yeah. line band the uh you know every member of the band even the snare drummer will tell you that the bass drummer is where this band lives right like yeah. the snare drummer yeah. gets to play fancier shit and and you know do all the solos and whatever but like the bass drummer is just the heart and soul of any second line band yeah so hearing Idris, um that and that and that record is is phenomenal on many levels too because i'm a big george benson fan too and he, and george george is playing guitar on on, on that record mm-hmm. and, uh, so, so that really kind of set me on a path and, 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 and more like, I don't know if spiritually is, 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 is the word for it, but like, I was, I was in a, in a, in like, my spirit was sort of, was, was was low in that moment when I, when I heard that record, cause I was in the middle of a divorce, hmm. you know, I was like, um, I don't know, 26 years old. I was living in, I was living in San Diego, you know, and this Memphis guy out in California and I'm, and I'm trying to figure out how in the hell I fit in, you know? Right. And people, people were so into pigeonholing you into a a, a, the, a a type of drummer or musician, you know. Oh, this guy's from Memphis. He must be a blues guy right. or rockabilly guy or country guy, you know. And out west, they think you're from Memphis. Ah, yeah, you're from Memphis. That was the first thing they said to me. Oh, where are you from? There's there's an accent in there. Are you from the south? I say, yeah, I'm from Memphis. Oh, you're from Memphis. Well, Zach, I've never talked like that in my life. <laughs> that was that was how they would relate to me. Right, you know, and they would right. say, oh, you're from Memphis. You know, you must have sex with your cousins. You know, <laughs> and 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 you're you're this backwoods guy. And and they would hear me play, and they're like, oh wow, okay, so you have. You know, you have this ability to to shift gears, and, mm-hmm. and you could go from, you know, rockabilly thing to a country thing to a swing thing to a straight rock thing to a fucking blues to a soul thing to boogaloo. And I'm like, yeah, that's Memphis. That's how you grow up. You know, yeah. on Beale Street, growing up playing with my dad, we we played just as much George Jones. We did Muddy Waters, right? You know, yeah, and and uh. And, and and I think I think that that you know that was the reason why I'm able to do some of the gigs that I'm that I'm doing now with a guy like Charlie Hunter, man. I mean, we might, we're playing songs from the 1920s as much as we are, you know, uh, uh, this the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Charlie's another guy who I I feel um, uh, just really doesn't uh, give a shit about genre. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, it's a, it's 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 all music. You yeah, know? yeah. And and it's how are you how are you making making people feel? You know. So you were saying about how like uh, you uh, um, were th- sort of uh, the the pandemic was a period for you to thrive. Oh yes, yeah. So I, I get a little sidetracked. This no, we we it happens all the time here. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got the Patreon thing going, and I realized, uh, you know, that 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 was really fun to have a place where I could put my stuff up there. Mm-hmm. And when people started subscribing and saying, "Hey, you know," because uh, I, I would I would put uh, I would open up the table for questions and stuff. We would do these Zoom hangs, and I would ask I would ask the patrons. I'd be like, you know, yo, man. What do you guys? What do you guys want? What do you want to hear? And they're like, man, you know, we noticed that you played tambourine on the in that in that Morgan James uh, video that's on YouTube, and and uh, could you tell us about playing? You know, where your tambourine stuff comes from? You know, so I'm like, cool, I'll do a tambo lesson because mm-hmm. um, I play a lot of tambourine, you know, and so I I was I was like, okay, cool. Well, this is this is this is this is the this is the uh, 
this is the basic concept right here. You know, if you can clap your hands and move your wrists back and forth like this, you know, then you then you get that you get that going, and then you put the tambourine in there. Right. And this is this is how you this is how you move your hands back and forth, and um, and the response from that was was incredible. So then I did you know some more tambourine stuff, like how I apply it to the drum kit and different grooves on the drum kit using the tambourine, yeah. and specifically like these smaller tambourines, with six and eight inch right. uh, vintage, vintage tambourines that I find on eBay all the time for twenty bucks. <laughs> um, so I got in. I really got into the Patreon thing. Charlie Scott Amendola, uh, Stephen Wolf, Adam Dorn, uh, and Carter McLean were like my guys who were constantly like on my ass about recording right. from home. And you know, I was I was resistant to it because I built up this wall that that I didn't somehow thought that I didn't know I that I wasn't gonna know what I was doing. Right. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm not really like 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 some people just like dive into technology and 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 uh, computers and engineering and stuff, and they just thrive. They just love it. They eat it up. They can't right. wait for the next. They speak piece that of language. Gear. Yeah, yeah. Like my friend Tim Lafave. You know, he's, oh my he's, god, yeah. he, He's just constantly putting <laughs> videos out. You know, of this. Oh, look at this new pedal. And it's going wow, 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 Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm like, man, this is gonna this is gonna eat me alive mentally, and I'm not gonna <laughs> understand what the fuck I'm doing. And and Charlie was steadfast. He was like, dude, just fucking do it. Plug the shit in. Plug your fucking microphones into it. Put them on your drum kit. Like one, you know how to play the drums really well. You know how to get a good sound from your drums. Right. Your room sounds good. I got my room treat. That was another uh, thing. I'm, very grateful to Carter McLean for 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 uh, introducing me to Mitch Zlotnick, the guy that owns Automute mm. uh, Sound Solutions, and and uh, I did a FaceTime with 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 Mitch um, mid 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 pandemic last year, and um, and he sent me eight uh, sound absorption sheets that were four and a half by eight. They weighed about ten pounds, and they were full of recycled. Uh, newspaper wow. and I, I hung them on my walls and uh, all of a sudden I had this incredible incredible sounding uh, drum room yeah I mean getting uh, getting your room sounding good is like at least half the battle I mean the yeah, you know the, yeah. the tech learning curve with the microphones and all the gear and like that's that's a thing but yeah man, if your room sounds good <clears throat> that solves a lot of problems right away my room sounded amazing. And it went from like this like big echo chamber to sounding like a really nice drum room. Uh, but then the 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 next thing came microphones. And my my uncle is a is a famous uh, recording engineer in in, uh, in DC uh, named Don Don Zentera. He's been working with uh, the DC hardcore underground scene for 40 years oh, wow. uh fugazi bad brains minor threat yeah um all those records black flag were, all those records were recorded with my uncle and, how cool and in, in, in arlington virginia and uh they call him don z and 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 uh he's he's a hilarious guy he still calls me by my childhood n nickname which was jeep <laughs> and uh and he's got a kind of a high pitched voice, but if you met him, he's like six foot six, and and he's he's tall and skinny, and and uh, he wears glasses, and he 
combs his hair over to the side. He wears shorts, like even in the wintertime and flip flops. And he's, he looks like, like, like a, like a, like a volleyball coach or something, you know, <laughs> and he's got this real high pitched voice and he calls me Jeep. And so I, you know, I called him, I called him on the phone because he heard that I was putting a, a tracking ring together at home. He's like, he's like, Hey Jeep, so what do you got for microphones? <laughs> and I was like, well, you know, I got like this, you know, I got a 57 and, um, I've got like an Octava and he's, he's like, well, what do you got for your kick drum? I'm going to send you the space drum mic. I think you're going to love it. So he sent me, he sent me a, uh, an AKG D12, uh, VR, the latest, uh, the latest D12. Yeah. And, uh, between that and my 57, and I had a couple of really nice sure, uh, condenser overheads. Um, I was doing the, uh, familiar with Glenn Johns. Yeah. Okay, so I had the Glenn John, I had the Glenn John setup in my in my in my studio. So yeah. I had one overhead and then one over by the floor tom, equal distance from the center of the snare. Right. Uh, and then the snare microphone, fifty seven in the snare, and then and then the uh, AKG the D twelve in the front. Yeah. And um, somebody a friend of mine sent me a song. It's like, hey man, I heard you. I put a, I put a blurb out uh, on 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 social media. You know, hey man, I got this track around the Blue Onyx. Blue Onyx drum room, send me a track. And um, my rates were super low, like like competitive as hell. I'm like, you know, I've got to figure that Aaron Sterling and Ash Stone and, and, and Matt Chamberlain, you know, uh, Aaron Steele and all these guys have been doing this shit for a million years already, you know, and, and I'm just getting my foot in the door. So, right. me, uh, you know, I can't charge, you know. 500 bucks a song or a thousand dollars a song or whatever so right. i mean my my shit was low lowest house anyway i had a friend send me a song and uh i gave him a real super dry sound uh i i, I got a uh i got an apollo uh universal audio apollo 8 um and uh and i was using the the you know the uh u.s universal audio software too mm -hmm. the, the luna software uh, and, I, and, I, and I did a track for a friend of mine and, and I sent it back to him and they were, and they were, they flipping out. They were like, man, sounds, sounds like a studio. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Oh, cool. Right on. And then I did a couple other songs and then I sent, uh, I sent some samples to Adam Dorn, Stephen Wolf, Scott Amendola, Carter, Charlie, and everybody came back and said, dude, your shit sounds fucking killing. So then I knew that I was, I was, I was on to something. Right. Right. And right. this is still like, this is still like the middle of last year. Right. So the kicker was, um, we did a, we're, we're working on a tribute record for Neil Casal, um, who committed suicide a couple of years ago. He was the, uh, he, played with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals for seven years. And then he was a guitarist for the Chris Robinson brotherhood when I was in the band. Mm -hmm. And, and we were, we were pretty, we were pretty close friends. I mean, committed suicide in, uh, in 2019, August, actually. Uh, hmm. Yes. Yes. August 26th, which was yesterday. Um, I think, right. Isn't it yesterday? August 26th. Yeah. Today's yeah. 27. Yep. Um, so, uh, we were doing this this tribute for Neil. It's getting ready to come out, and uh, they were doing a forty five uh, that they were going to release uh, ahead, just ahead of the uh, the tribute album, which I think is going to be like a four record set with like Lucinda Williams and Steve Earle and all these you know heavies that worked with Neil over the years. Um, this forty five consisted of these two songs that Neil recorded before he passed. And one of them was full band, uh, and I think that they just were going to add like maybe some steel guitar, maybe some background vocals or something like that. But the second song, the side B of the uh, of the forty fives, tune called Green Moon, that he recorded um, himself at his at his home studio in California, and there were no drums. He just like put a bass drum, like playing whole notes, at the top of every at the top of every bar. Mm -hmm. And then stacked guitars, acoustic, electric, keyboards, and then stacked vocals. And uh, it's a it's beautiful song with twelve eight. They sent me, they sent me this tune, or six eight. They sent me this tune, and and man, I'm like I'm like oh my god, this is, this is this is fucking beautiful, you know. But God, they want me to do it at my house. Fuck it, I'm gonna go for it. Recorded it, 
sent it back to them, and then they sent it to Jim Scott. And if you don't know who that is, look on look on all the Tom Petty records and see who engineered it. Being Scott Jim Scott, mm-hmm. right? He worked with the Heart Records. The studio's called Pliers, and uh, he's out in California. They sent my drum track to Jim Scott to mm-hmm. mix into this song, and I heard back from my friend who sent it to him uh, via Jim Scott and said, "He said uh, Jim Jim Scott loved your drum tracks." <laughs> nice, nice. So I was like, okay, so. Here's the thing. If anybody is out there listening to this and if you're having any sort of anxieties or or reservations about doing this yourself, if you know how to play the drums, that is a huge feather in your cap, right? You're already halfway there. If you know how to play the drums, you know how to tune the drums and you know how to get a good sound out of your drums, you're, you're already golden. You got a good sounding room and that's, that's pretty much it, you know, because yeah. you can use whatever microphones. Yeah. And, and so, you can use whatever, whatever doll, whatever software. Right. You and I, I think, and so many other drummers have, <laughs> have been so intimidated by the, the tech, by the hardware. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, as yeah. soon as you get into it, you realize like that's, you know, it's important. You got to learn it. You got to know how to do it. But it's, it's one piece of a big puzzle. And most of us already have a lot of those other pieces in place, right? We know how to play. Yeah. We know how to tune. Some of us got to get our rooms, you know, sounding good. Um, but, you know, like learning how to use mics and how to mic up a drum set um, is, you know, it, it takes some trial and error. It takes some patience. It takes some research. But um, it's it's really not a big deal compared to everything that we already have in place. And, you know, like Charlie said, you know what good drums sound like. And even even if you enter the recording process, you know, not knowing exactly how to get those sounds, you know it when you hear it, right? So if you go through your trial and error process and just experiment with all kinds of shit, then you happen upon something and you're like, oh, that sounds like a thing. That sounds like good drums. Um, And you kind of build that that, um, muscle memory with yourself in your studio. I'll never forget, I interviewed Dan Bailey uh, a few months ago. Um and he was like i i don't get work you know uh recording myself playing drums because i'm a great engineer i get work because i'm great at engineering my playing in my studio so that's a big thing i mean i i definitely have done sessions for people before where the room sounded like shit mm-hmm. the microphones were terrible and the drums just weren't great you know, and it didn't matter that I knew how to play the drums. This wasn't just wasn't going to sound good. Right. So, you know, in addition to being able to play the drums, you got to have some stuff that sounds good and you got to have a good sounding room. Right. You know, there's been many rooms that just didn't really sound good, even when we had good microphones. Mm-hmm. So a good sounding room is, you know, you got to have that. Yeah. So get your room sounding good. Um don't even worry that you don't have a $900 or $5,000 microphone because, yeah. you know, of SM57 you can find for, you know, $75. Yep. And it's a, the best snare drum mic still. Yeah. I've been in like, I've been in like the most, the biggest, most world-class, well-known studios around the world. And I sit down at the drums and they put a 57 on the snare drum, bro. Yep. Yep. It's, that's just how it goes. It's the standard. And, you know, a good, like, you know, a good sounding drum set and a good drummer in a good sounding room is, is going to outshine good mics. Like, good mics can't save, like, if the rest of that shit is bad, good mics can't save it. Right. Yep. But yep. <laughs> but if the mics that's are not, right. if, the, if the mics are not great and everything else is good, you're, you're going to be fine. It's true. Yeah. It's very true. It's very true. Um, well, cool, man. Uh, it was it was great to talk to you, man. I I feel like you've landed in in fertile ground there in uh, Greensboro with with Charlie. Um, I uh, definitely you know, like I said, my, my dad still lives in Durham there, so so I pop up there from time to time. And oh uh, man, let's hang. Yeah, man. Let's man. Hang. Next let's time I'm over there, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come absolutely find you guys and and come vibe you on a gig. <laughs> yeah, and hey, if uh, if anyone out there is listening and they're 
Uh, maybe they live in a city where either nothing's going on or there's so much going on that you're not working or you're spending way too much money to live, <laughs> uh, which is a lot of people in America right now yeah. just killing themselves on ridiculous rents. It's not expensive here in Greensboro. We have a very small scene here that is definitely growing. It's incredibly green. It's very beautiful. It's very blue. <laughs> if you get what I mean. And uh, we, we, we love that about this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's liberal and, and beautiful and diverse. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to be out here, but you know, also like in the, in the triad area, um, you know, I can be 20 minutes and I'm in, I'm in, uh, I'm in Winston-Salem. Yeah. Hour, hour, I'm in Chapel Hill, Carborough area right um you know and 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 durham is is right down the road yeah you know another another 30 minutes from there i'm in raleigh you know uh if i want to go to charlotte charlotte is an hour south of me you know right really if you want to go into virginia in the mountains it's an hour and you're in virginia it's a cool area because it's not you know it's it's obviously not a metropolis like chicago or atlanta or la but it's like this sort of more spread out collection of smaller places that sort of add up to um a uh you know a a grand sum (laughs) musically and culturally absolutely yeah well cool man we will keep uh greensboro on our on our radar and and i hope (laughs) hope, hope to see you there before too long man yeah my man i really appreciate you zach thank you so much man yeah appreciate you having me on there you go sweet cat and just a nasty greasy funky drummer george slepik check out his sample pack through yurt rock there is a youtube promo video for it embedded in the show notes at workingdrummer.net And next week, Matthew Krause will be talking with Bobby Jarzombek, whose past gigs have included rock and metal acts like Fate's Warning and Sebastian Bach, but just landed in the drum chair with George Strait. Quite a hard turn there, career-wise and genre-wise, so that should be cool to hear about. Hope you check that out. Until then, stay safe, get vexed, and thanks for listening. Cheers. Cheers.